You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. And this is a VHS podcast that goes into the box art, trailers, and behind the scenes. And this one is one that I don't think a lot of our listeners have watched. It is it is a disaster film that doesn't get a ton of traction, but a little bit. So Matt, what are we watching for our second disaster film? We're doing another one of the... Like you were saying, maybe people didn't know about it. Uh, one of those movies that absolutely tanked in theaters, but did have a second life on video. We're doing Turbulence with Ray Liotta and Lauren Holly. Hello and welcome aboard. Whenever we fly, wherever we fly, we at Transcontinental take time to ensure your safety. Your seatbelt should be worn low and tight across your lap. If you didn't put your carry-on luggage in the overhead compartment, then be sure to place it under the seat in front of you. For those of you afraid of flying, prepare to be terrified. For those of you who aren't afraid, enjoy it while it lasts. (laughs) We've lost all communications with Transcon 47. Help me get this plane on the ground. This plane is not gonna land! Could be close to exceeding the special limit to the airframe. Just got a fire. He's crazy. Yeah. Not open the door. Miss, let's delay our flight. What's FAA procedure in a situation like this? I don't think there's ever been a situation like this. I'm 35,000 feet in the air and I'm smarter than you. Who is actually flying the aircraft? No. It just bankrupt an entire production house in Reicher. Was that the name of the place? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Reicher goes under and we had to do our research on this. Turns out that MGM got the dis- distribution rights for the movie, the theaters, the U.S. theaters. And then later on, when we have our VHS here, it has HBO video on it. HBO home video. Yeah, a really curious journey that this film took because I had read it was recorded in 95, was set to be released in 96, the summer of 96. Then you said it got pushed to Christmas of 96 and then got pushed again to January of 97. Yeah, and this this does feel like a very sort of mid-90s thing, but it does kind of have like this vibe like in 97 when you're watching it does kind of already feel old you know what i mean like it already feels like it it should have come out earlier than it did (laughs) feels dated already i would have honestly guessed that this film was like like a 93 it and it does it has the you know it's it's in our inclusion for this month it has the 90s disaster movie tropes 
for sure. But yeah, I think we were a little postmodern by '97, so this this feels old. It does. It has it, it has the '90s tropes, but you know we were a little bit past that in '97, so it is kind of interesting. But yeah, like you said, it just kept kind of getting passed around, and time went by, and a bunch of different distributors got involved. Not only did this end up tanking Reicher Studios by the time they made the third one, because, of course, it did turn into a series because the video sold well. The third one tanked Trimark. So <laughs> just a cursed series. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, now, when I was watching this, I got some TV vibes on some of the shots and how he was shooting or the director and cinematographer was shooting this. And then I look up the director here and I see 100 credits that right away gives you that it's a TV guy. Uh, his name was Robert Butler. It looks like a TV movie sometimes. Like the second and third one, which premiered on, I think the, the second one premiered on HBO and then the third one just went direct to video. But like those, like this feels like it should have just like when Reicher was starting to have trouble and stuff like that. This feels like it should have just went direct to HBO. It should have just premiered there. I feel like. But the problem was they spent $50 million. I read in the IMDb, the 50, I don't know if you saw this, yes, but in the IMDb yeah. trivia, you the, uh, it says like $55 million was spent on the movie. Since neither of the stars were like commanding any kind of money, no one's really sure where this money was spent. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some like tax questions that went into this film, uh, I'm sure in uh, the big Rumsey court that they had to go through. The studio claimed that the special effects in this cost them more money than they ever anticipated. Because I think initially that this whole budget was supposed to be around $30 million. So I don't know if there's some kind of illegal bullshit going on here. Either way, the movie tanked. I mean, even if you spent $20 million and it only made eleven in the box office, that's not good. And that January release date is a pretty in, pretty high indicator that this was just kind of dumped too. MGM was just like, let's just get it out. We'll take whatever we can get. We'll take the hit on whatever. Yeah, and you can tell, obviously, it, it technically Turbulence is a Christmas movie. Yes. Coming out in the summer of 96 would have been like counter-programming. So I get that. Sometimes that works. Now, it would have been perfect to hit into that Christmas 1996 area, but... January 10th is even past the holidays where people aren't even off anymore. It is one of the worst dates to put a film out. And it's almost like, to me, you could come up with maybe they wanted this to fail. Maybe MGM wanted it to fail to like, I don't know. Is there some type of tax benefit? <laughs> I don't know. This is it's a terrible date. They had to do the push. One of the pushbacks was because of some plain terrorist thing that happened for real so they out of you know respect to that they one of the times whether it was the summer one or the christmas one i, I forget but they decided to delay it because of that but in turn then also limited the marketing the posters you know all mm -hmm. of the, the the tv spots everything like that that they had been pumping you know earlier in the year then they stopped all of it. So now you have like no advertising for this movie whatsoever either. So you're dumping it and you're not really like showing it. But I do remember early 1996 seeing this trailer in a theater. But yeah, later they just kind of were like, all right, we're not going to run the ads. We're not going to do the posters. We're just going to dump it. So it must have just been a write-off situation. Like someone had planned on hijacking a plane in another country, I think is what I read. 
and then they were scared, you know, they didn't want bad publicity. And I've also heard that Lauren Holly's people, because uh, she was such a rising name, kind of tried to block this as well, like almost get it like shelved. But I don't think they're going to do that. They're going to at least try to make some money back. I mean, they didn't, but... We can't talk about how good it did on home video, which will transition to me talking about this film. If you're walking down the aisle on a Friday night, you're looking to rent something. This is a terrible cover, uh, in my opinion. It looks like a TV movie uh, or an HBO, you know, direct HBO. It's got the top Ray Liotta, Lauren Holly, Turbulence. And Turbulence is kind of like off its access you know i don't know what but it also looks like it's shaking anyway the biggest thing that you read here it's a killer ride with lauren holly and ray Liotta's eyes like cut into the lettering with the plane going between two buildings which i mean in a post 9-11 movie you're like but they didn't know that at this time and they're supposed to be crashing in was it vegas yeah, I think the ultimate landing ends up being in like L.A., but the big like chaos, you know, wheels down, scraping the buildings is in Vegas. Yes, but this shot, uh, the background of this definitely looks like L.A. I mean, no one's going to know what city this is. You can always tell Vegas, but this could be any city. I don't know why they chose that, but uh, we flip this onto the back and this is going to be one of the easiest descriptions I've ever read. Let's start with the quotes here. It is a black box that has Lauren Holly like grabbing, grasping for her life. Why Ray Liotta's character tries to, I don't know, beat her, kill her, rape her. I don't even know what he was trying to do with her half the time. Yeah, I mean, the, I guess the idea is that this plane is going down because he has eliminated all the pilots. They're going to die together. But he's still kind of just chasing her around like a slasher, <laughs> you know, like a slasher in a horror movie. Um, I'm not really certain what his end goal is because they're going down. Like <laughs> His intention is just to crash the plane. Yeah, I understand. That he just wants to go down in a fiery, you know, he's going to kill himself because he yes. knows he's fucked. But what he was trying to do with her, I was confused about. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. So we've got a qu- couple quotes. It's Twister at 36,000 feet from the Hollywood Reporter. No name attached to that. Uh, And then we've got a wild ride you'll remember from People Magazine. No quote. I mean, no, no one attached to that quote either. These are just like MGM or HBO. Can you get anyone to say something positive? (laughs) Uh, Twister at 36,000 feet. No, no, it's not. There's no team. Nothing. Well, I guess you could say the people like trying to bring down the plane safely, maybe, but no, come on. That's a huge stretch. When a 747 heading from New York to LA is taken over by a seductive psychopath. Oh, I'm sorry. A seductive psychopathic serial killer. The only one who can stop him is a beautiful young flight attendant. You'd better fasten your seatbelts because this trip is going to be a killer ride. And it's got weird gaps. This is weird. Between flight attendant is like a bigger gap kerning between any of the other lettering. Same thing with you'd better. What the hell? This is so bad. A rush job. Cheapy. <laughs> oh, it's a very cheap. It even feels like a cheap slipcover. But anyway, so there we go. Let's pop this tape in. No trailers. <laughs> it just goes straight to the movie. How about, wait, do you have this VHS? No. Yeah, there's nothing. Great. <laughs> right into it. 
<laughs> so, feature presentation. And now, our feature presentation. Okay, so we get Ray Liotta's character meeting a woman. And, uh, you know, good-looking guy. I think he has flowers or something like that. And they're setting up that he, like, wines and dines these women and then I guess kills them. But here's the thing. I don't know if he, like, rapes and then kills them or if he's just a serial killer slashing them because they kind of allude to both but never say exactly what he does. He just kills them. That's all we know. Yeah, we know that he has a penchant for, like, blonde women, blonde kind of pixie women. Like, that's his thing that he goes after. But yeah, again, we don't know what that means. Does he kill him? Does he do more with them? Does he wear their skin? You know, we don't know. <laughs> yeah, so Ryan Weaver, yeah, he definitely likes those type of women. But they also set it up where Lauren Holly, at the same time, is supposed to be meeting up with a man, which I think ends up being married or something. Either way, they kind of make it seem like Ryan Weaver is going to her house, but it's actually another woman's house. I don't know the whole point of that. I thought it really was confusing. Yeah, like a kind of Silence of the Lambs kind of fake out where, you, yeah, you think he's going there, but he's going somewhere else. And we're just kind of crisscrossing our main characters a little bit. Yeah, it was it was honestly a little confusing uh, watching this again. I was like, is he already starting with her? But they do the thing, too, where for like the first 30 minutes of the movie, they're going to they're kind of playing it like, you know, again, if you didn't read the box or whatever, they're kind of playing it like Ray Liotta might be wrongfully accused because we don't see him ever do any of the murder stuff and all we see him being you know when he's first arrested and he first gets put on a plane we only see him kind of being charming we never see him do any of the killer stuff and he keeps claiming to like uh hector elizondo that like he is totally innocent so the movie's trying to kind of fake us out with that too she tell me something how did you plant that evidence in my car if it were true, what difference would it make? Knowing what you did, I mean, you're a cop. How, how, how do you look at yourself in the mirror? I like what I see. I'm proud I got you off the street. Is it fame? Is that why you screwed me? Did you want to solve one big case before you retired? You got your promotion? You're going to write a book now? You didn't even make the evening news. See, you watched. I mean, this must really burn your ass. You go through all of this, you track me down for two years, and you still get no respect. L.A.'s a tough place for a killer. You have a lot of competition out there. You should have killed a celebrity. I never killed anybody. Yeah, but I never believed it. I mean, he was definitely charming. If you're going to do a true fake-out, do a true fake-out, because this one never works at all. Yeah, I mean, the trailer shows him fucking going ballistic and screaming. And, you know, and, like, it's on the box, so... The fake out kind of doesn't really, you know, you almost have to like not know anything about this movie for the fake out to kind of work on you. Uh, so they get up in the plane and uh, he's arrested and they're taking all these criminals from New York to L.A. on a commercial flight. And I guess they're trying to sell it that they're doing that only because it's the holidays. But what? What? Why would you do that? Yeah, I think it's like they're traveling on christmas so they don't anticipate a ton of flyers and i think we have like three or four just regular passengers on the flight and then all the rest is like the couple criminals uh which is ray Liotta and brennan gleason with the worst southern accent i have ever heard in my entire life <laughs> and then a bunch of like air marshals and fbi and you know police guys 
Oh, and then the the main Michael Harney, which is playing Marshall Douglas, he's in this, and he's the one that ends up being tricked. Oh no no no! It's the other guy who gets stabbed. Uh, the guy who always plays like a cop or U.S. marshal or something like that, a detective, he gets stabbed in the neck, right? In the bathroom. And that's how mm-hmm. this all like starts. The Irish guy gets the gun. Brandon Gleason. Mm-hmm. He gets the gun and somehow he gets killed by Ray Liotta because Ray Liotta gets a gun. And I don't even know how any of them get loose. I don't remember how the rest, maybe the other guy who got him out, Brendan Gleason comes back and takes all their handcuffs off. I don't know. Like, I I just kind of like lost track of what was going on because it was like just chaotic. Um, And it moves very fast. So all of this kind of happens within like the before the kind of the even the halfway point in the movie, because we have, I would say, maybe like 40 minutes because really only the last hour is like crazy Ray Liotta. No, there's like an hour and a half of this movie where they're just on the plane like, oh, are we going to be able to land this? What's going to happen? What do we do? And I would say like even like the last 30 minutes is when he goes crazy. There is a good chunk of this film, I would say, from the hour mark to about the hour and a half mark where I'm like, yeah, we need to cut this down. Or maybe it's we even within the first hour because it's like her, Warren Holly character talking to her friend Maggie who is the mother from Child's Play uh, and Seventh Heaven. Anyway, there's too much talking in this and I'm like, I don't care. There's a lot of this movie that I just don't care about, but everyone needs to watch this for the last maybe half hour, 45 minutes, whatever when Ray Liotta goes insane. I'm 35,000 feet in the air with no pilots and even if I did get down, what would I have to look forward to? Huh? Get out fucking 20 guns in my head. You bring me back to prison to await my execution. No, I'm smarter than that, and I'm fucking smarter than you. But we all know that, don't we? We all know that because you couldn't get me without cheating. You fucking cops can't do anything without cheating and without beating. Oh, we caught you, didn't we? No, you didn't get me. How did you get me, Hines? I'm up here. I'm up here, and you're down there. How did you get me? How did you get me? Calm down. No, I'm not going to calm down. You got me mad now, and I'm going to go take it out on somebody. And you know what, Hines? Her blood is going to be on your hands. You got Dad, you want to be famous, Aldo? I'm going to make you so fucking famous. You make sure you're wearing something bright up on that tarmac because you're going to be the first fucking cop to die with a plane up his ass. <laughs> yeah, Ray Liotta is on like a Nick Cage level in this movie, which, you know, if you're a fan of Ray Liotta, you've seen him do. He does this, you know, he can he can go there. But this movie, you know, it's such kind of like schlock. It's like really fun and delicious to just watch him go fucking bonkers in this silly ass plane movie (laughs) well yeah and then you have the entire team on the ground trying to land it no fucking way that they're just gonna have like some flight attendant land this plane like at one point there's an autopilot on and ray Liotta goes down in the cabin and or whatever the basement of the plane and like destroys it while he's drinking champagne i mean this this film is bonkers at the end yeah it, it really does. It feels like two movies and it's and it's not super long hundred minute runtime. It's not like crazy, you know, two and a half hours like last week's movie or anything like that. But yeah, like the second half is when it yeah, totally absolutely gets silly and really ought to kills the two pilots. He's like, we're going to we're fucking going down. He rips out the autopilot. 
Lauren Alley's got to learn from Ben Cross uh, how to land this plane <laughs> while he's sitting in a plane not moving. <laughs> yeah, um, he he's like looking at all the controls and reading the controls of a 747 while he's communicating to her how to land a 747, which I all I just found that hilarious. I would imagine if he was a professional that he wouldn't need to sit in a plane to explain this to her. <laughs> Yeah, I laughed at it. Uh, I was like, but, you know, whatever. Maybe he was about to take off in a 747. It got delayed because, you know, we've got a, a pilotless plane coming into LAX that somehow almost crashes into Vegas. Actually, yeah, so this movie is 100 minutes. You are correct. But it feels like two hours to me because there's so much in this movie where I'm like, just we got to keep going. Come on, get to Ray Liotta going crazy. Ray Liotta, at one point we were describing, like, I don't know what he's trying to do. I think he's going to torture, rape her, and kill her, and then take the, the plane down right into LAX just to give a ultimate fuck you to the detective that he keeps claiming set him up. Well, he no, he admits it. Uh, Hector Elizondo, this is, you know, this is the 90s when it was okay to have in a movie to have a police officer set him up to get the bad guy nowadays if you have like a police officer in a movie planting evidence he's the bad guy but this was the 90s so <laughs> he's any by any means necessary he was going to catch this guy so he planted i think it was a teddy bear he says yeah. mm-hmm. he planted the teddy bear evidence just so they could catch this guy because he knew he did it but they just didn't have anything on him uh so he did plant it he he did do something fucked up but that's uh, right it yeah. did catch him you weren't smart enough to give me, so you cheated. And that's basically why he, like you said, is on like this fuck you mission to just crash this plane so that he can't get his man. Yeah, and he was saying something like, this is all your fault. Uh, like, didn't he shoot someone? Didn't he shoot one of the flight attendants? Oh, no, he kills uh, Maggie. What's your favorite book, Maggie? I read Stephen King. You're alone a lot, aren't you? What does that mean? Men don't look at you anymore, at least not the ones that you want. Your plumbing's getting rusty. What do you have to look forward to, Maggie? You might be able to go for it, but then what? Can you kill? I started with squirrels and birds, and I moved on to cats and girls. If you can kill me, Maggie, go for it. What did you do with Terry? I think it's you that you should be concerned with. And she pops out like a horror movie at the end to scare her and Holly, and I'm like, yes! Straight up like a Halloween slasher in the yep, air. You open the, the fucking the cabin where they store the your carry-ons or whatever, and she comes dumping out a little white corpse, like, yeah, know, ghostly thing. And he also tricks everyone, like, putting... I don't know where he put all of the, you know, other flight attendants and very few pass, passengers that were left. He, like, stuffs them in a airplane closet? What? Yeah, so the, the surviving members of the crew which there aren't many there's like five they get they get put yeah i think in a closet of some sort <laughs> i don't know this plane has a bajillion rooms so, so i'm not yeah. really sure but he also takes the time at one point to set up all the corpses with like headphones on and stuff like yeah. that in the seats as well because he's a fucking lunatic <laughs> that was pretty funny uh, she does have one scene that i was kind of just shocked that they kept in the film because Lauren Holly wins a Razzie in this movie, uh, and it, it's earned for this scene. And I kind of was just surprised that they kept it, but maybe it had something to do with they couldn't get reshoots. She 
is so wooden. And it's like she is reading off a cue card in front of her or like maybe they like taped the uh, script in front of her and highlighted her lines because she's like, so you want me to do this? I'm going to play the scene for you here. My name is Terry. Terry Halloran. Very pleased to meet you, Terry. Captain Samuel Bowen here. Now, remember, when you need to say something, push the RT switch up, hold it there, talk, then release it. You got that? Got it. Are you a passenger or? I'm a flight attendant based out of New York. My employee number is one zero. We don't need that right now, Miss Halloran. What is the status of your flight crew? Dead. Both are dead. One of the prisoners escaped. There was a shootout. All the marshals are dead. It's a mess. What do I do? Terry, this is Frank Sinclair, FBI. Who is actually flying the aircraft? Nobody. I'm up here all alone. Where is the rest of the cabin crew? Down below with the other prisoner, Ryan Weaver. Oh my God. Try and keep her calm. Is this plane going to crash? Her reading the lines is bad enough, but when you see her face and you add that to it, woof. Wow. They really did her some disservice. Yeah, I wonder if it is like, a, uh, like you said, a situation where it was just like the first take and they put it in the movie, or if she just really fucking didn't want to be there. I don't know. I, I, I don't yeah, know. I don't know. Ray Liotta is having a blast. <laughs> but there's certain parts in this film where she's trying. She's definitely trying. She's going all out. But I think it's more of the physical acting that she's better at. Because, man, when it came to her just sitting down and reading lines, ouch. <laughs> and I'm trying to think, what was she coming off of other than Dumb and Dumber, which is the greatest comedy of all time? I don't know, because that was Dumb and Dumber's 94. Picket fences. So, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is 96. So, yeah. she. But I mean, you, like you said, she was on the rise. She's got her name above the title. So she was this may have killed the momentum of her career, but she was she was a star on the rise. Yep. Didn't work out. <laughs> Oops. I mean, she still worked for quite a while. She still works now. Yeah, she's in a TV series. Oh, Tiny Pretty Things. I don't know what that is, but okay. Yeah, she's work. I've seen her in some sci-fi movies and stuff, uh, sci-fi channel movies a few years ago. She's working. She's around. She's definitely more of a TV actress. She's in TV a lot. Maybe she likes it better. She just feels more comfortable. Yeah. Because, I mean, but she, she had a run in movies. They just weren't big movies. Yeah, but, you know, she's around. I think she. I think she's nestled, yeah, with TV into being more of a character actor than, uh, you know, a headliner. Which is fine. I mean, you can make quite a career out of that. Work is work. <laughs> really, all you can describe is how he just goes crazy and he's yelling the entire time and she's trying to land the plane. She does land the plane after a fake out of trying to land in. They did try to land in Vegas, right? But they had like a truck. Yeah, because because the the plane scrapes like the top of a building that must have like a parking lot or something in it. Yeah, a, a truck gets stuck to the wheel so she can't touch down. So she's got to come back and uh, land. I, I think it was actually L.A. because she turns around and comes back to it. Okay. So she crashes through Vegas, tries to land in L.A. with a car she got stuck on the bottom of the plane in Vegas. The Air Force or something, you know, Top Gun guys are coming in to shoot down the plane because, you know, they don't want her to blow up LAX. So they're going to shoot down the plane, but, the, you know, the the pilot has a conscience and he just shoots the car off so that it's, so she's able to land. Oh, man. Nowadays, 
If you had that, that plane is going down. It's getting shot down over like a farm. Yeah, they they had her because she had just kind of passed. This is how I remember she passed L.A. She was over the water. So they were just going to, you know. I think that's what would happen in reality. (laughs) Yes. Shoot her down. Water landing. If she makes it great. If not, oh, well. (laughs) Can you can you fashion a a parachute out of anything? Jump now. (laughs) (laughs) Go uh, now. (laughs) But she lands. She makes it. It's okay, And she shoots Ray Liotta in the head in the end, which I thought was pretty satisfying. You know, he had been a fucking nutcase for the you know whole second half of this movie. It was pretty satisfying to just watch him get popped at the end. God, he was having so much fun. He's got some great one-liners. You know, I've never taken this airline again while he's got like his foot trapped in the door that she's, you know, (laughs) got him locked in. He's got another line around there, too, uh, that I can't remember now, but he's got some funny one-liners in this. No, he's very good at Nick caging it up. I mean, we watched him in... um... Something Wild. Yeah, we watched him in Something Wild, and he's fantastic in that. He just lights up the room. Now, I think he's a little bit better in Something Wild because it's a better script, but in this one, he is thoroughly entertaining. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, kind of in summation here, like, the plot and the dialogue is pretty stupid in this movie and kind of useless. If you've seen, like, an airport movie or whatever, it's just the same thing, but, like, for the 90s. But he is so fun to watch in this movie and so crazy that I would recommend this movie. I thought it was I had a I kind of had a blast watching it. I, again, it's stupid. The script's bad. It's not really like, you know, when there's dialogue scenes and Bray Liotta's not on screen, it's, you know, you're just kind of waiting till the next scene he's in. But like, I thought it was fun. I thought I had a I had a good time with it. I haven't seen it since the 90s. So it was fun to go back and watch. And I, I, I had a good time. I'm not gonna lie. I think this is be if this was a watch party movie, this would be the good one to do right when everyone gets their food, like because the beginning, you don't have to pay attention so much. You get eaten and then to get them out of that little food coma they might be in the last 30 minutes just like sets the room on fire like, whoa, what is going on? I think that's where you put this in the watch party. Absolutely. This would go well in like a uh, bonkers performance kind of movie night, you know, like some chewing scenery actors with you know nick cage movies and 90s john travolta and stuff like that like just like bigger than life actors probably coked out of their mind because it was the 90s <laughs> just giving it giving it their all and i agree with you yeah that last like 30 minutes everybody's gonna have a blast truly is a fun ending uh okay so what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about another movie in this uh, series that I don't know if we'd ever do a true, uh, you know, maybe we do an episode on this, but I found that I had Turbulence 3 Heavy Metal. And this is more of like something to tell everyone. If you get a chance, I think Tubi has it. Tubi or Amazon, I can't remember. Go watch Turbulence 3 Heavy Metal. I think you'll be thoroughly <laughs> entertained with a Marilyn Manson exploitation plane movie. Yeah, you mean you've got you've got Rutger Hauer, you've got Craig Sheffer. Yeah, you've got this makeshift new metal uh, Marilyn Manson-esque band on a plane. It's very fun. The VHS is extremely hard to find. It's like one of those super rare ones for some reason, probably because it was the last Trimark movie or something like that. So if, if you're ever at a thrift store and you come across Turbulence 3, pick it up immediately. Those are, those are rare babies. So... 
and in and also the movie is totally a blast so if you want to watch it on like tubi or amazon or whatever it's on if you're from that era and you kind of remember the new metal stuff like that the movie is called turbulence 3 heavy metal so uh i think you'd have a blast with it i i really like it as well i think it's just a really dumb fun movie it's it's got these songs that clearly i i don't know if it's the actor that played him is singing it or they got someone, but you can't find them anywhere. I think the only way you can probably record these songs is on VHS. Cause I don't know if this ever had a DVD release. I don't think it has. I think that plays into the rarity of that VHS. Oh man. These songs, I, I can play a clip of this song in this one. Cause no one's going to take us down for this. Yeah, Nobody's going to sue you. Cause you can't get them anywhere. <laughs> So there you go. Uh, just just a taste of what you can get. Just a little bitty taster. Now you're going to be addicted to that and you're going to have to watch it. And I'm pretty sure it's on Tubi. I think that's the easiest way to catch it. Yeah, we both like this one. So recommended yeah. heavy metal. Get on it. <laughs> and one of the funny things you were mentioning that uh, Craig Schaefer is. Is it Schaefer or Schaefer? I think it's Schaefer. He's in Turbulence 2 and 3, but as a different character. He's kind of this star of two. He's kind of got like, you know, boring sort of guy on a plane in trouble kind of role. And in this third one, he's like this fucking like crazy. He's got the tiny sunglasses and the headband and tie dye shirts. And he's this kind of over the top, silly computer hacker character. (laughs) Um, Totally different characters in both movies. Don't know why they did that, but God bless them for doing it. <laughs> and what is funny about this is clearly Craig Schaefer and Rooker Hauer are not on the set of this movie. They are in <laughs> two different locations. Both of them are in two different locations. Rooker Hauer is in like maybe five minutes, maybe, where he just gets into a little bitty box room and he's, just, and he's the pilot talking to people. He never, I don't think he ever actually interacts with the crew. And then Craig Schaefer is like also just in a room probably in L.A. with I forget the girl's name, but you've definitely seen she's a character actor has been around for a while. She's an FBI agent and I don't know what he is, but he at one point takes out a airplane simulator like joystick, if you know what I mean, and lands the plane virtually. It's just amazing. (laughs) Yeah. He he I think Shepard's my favorite part of that movie. He's a he's a fucking lunatic and it's really fun to watch. And you were talking about the little glasses. It's not only on him. It's also on another character in the same room he's in. <laughs> like they're wearing both the same style of like this John Lennon shit. <laughs> two, two for one special. <laughs> yeah, like, what? On, the, on tiny sunglasses. Yeah, I think Rooker Howard is totally like, if we're comparing to the first movie here, he's totally like the Ben Cross, where he's just by himself the whole shoot. Except Ben Cross comes and meets Lauren Holly at the very, very end of this. But uh, yeah, it's the same deal. He's just in a room. Watch it, folks. You're going to enjoy it. Trust me. That is uh, definitely one that I would love to play in a, like a trash movie uh, setting. I, I just think it, the, everyone would enjoy it. Yeah, it's pretty spectacular. It's a it's a pretty fun one. I I that might be coming coming to a, a movie night near me at some point. So <laughs> good. If I can come, I will watch that. <laughs> Wonderful. 
Wonderful. I'll, I'll schedule it around your uh, next visit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go on to the museum. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. This is the part of the show where we go out in the film jungle like Indy and bring something back to our disaster wing of the museum. We just hit the second one. The first one, we were flying into space. This one, we're staying in the atmosphere. So, Matt, what do you have for this disaster wing? I can't just put in the whole lunatic Ray Liotta performance, so I'm going to put in just his fucking zippy one-liners because they were cracking me up the whole movie. So uh, Ray Liotta's psychotic one-liners is going in my turbulence wing if you will, of the museum. It's a good one. Uh, I'm just going to put in Lauren Holly, like reading lines. Like I, I know it's bad, but I laughed so hard at the scene and then rewound it to watch it again. And I'm like, <laughs> I can't believe you did this to her. <laughs> but it's, uh, I don't know if it's good or bad. Honestly, it's just her in a cockpit. Like, okay, you want me to do what? Grab this, press this, got it. We're good. Can we land? I'm like, oh my God, Jesus Christ. I don't know what it says about me that I didn't even really notice that. (laughs) Maybe I've just seen too much garbage that I was just like, yeah, yeah, this is a performance in a film. (laughs) I didn't even realize it. Okay, so I'm going to move on to something I watched. I don't know if you've watched anything recently, but I decided to get into the QAnon documentary on hbo and that is fascinating like i stayed out of most of it i didn't really care i'm like yeah whatever conspiracy theory people or whatever but it is nuts highly recommend watching it it's like six five six parts i can't remember but just the people involved in it are just like straight out of a i don't know like a walmart documentary but they're not in the united states like just watch it Enjoy it. Turn your brain off. And if you believe in any of that stuff, I don't know what you're doing listening to these two liberals talk about tapes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think there's a lot of crossover. Uh, I really want to see that. I, I haven't watched it yet, but because uh, it is a bit of an undertaking with like six episodes and I know it's going to even though it's going to be like funny, I know it's still going to infuriate me. So I haven't gotten to it yet, but I do really want to watch it. And I'm probably going to watch it pretty soon because it does sound absolutely fascinating. Oh, man, it's so easy to binge every five, 10 minutes. There's something else where you're like, what? They did what? People believe this? <laughs> what? And it just keeps going down this crazy rabbit hole. And I'm telling you, they get people. They just can't wait to get in front of the camera. This is what oh, I yeah. noticed about all of this. <laughs> they just want to be popular so bad that they are spewing this off the wall like they are in full belief that like there's a during pizzagate you know they're just like yeah totally i mean they're sitting there they're drinking the blood from babies and killing them and they're a bunch of pedophiles in the basement and they're like the pizza place comet the pizza place doesn't even have a basement <laughs> and they're like well you know you know what we mean i'm like no no we don't and they're like well there's many restaurants inside new york dc and la that have these underground basements and i'm like what the fuck are you people? Th- they literally believe they they like blend these babies up that they traffic in 
And that's why the Democrats are always trying to get everyone across the border. And then they blend them up or they put straws in them. And this whole drinking the blood of babies has been around for a really long time. It's like an old tactic that you would do to make your enemy a monster. So it's easier for your army to kill them because it's hard to kill a human, but it's really easy to kill a monster. Yeah, they double down on these beliefs. You can put facts in front of them. You could be like, like you said, you could say, they don't even have a basement and they always will have some sort of follow. They are just so in it. They just fucking believe everything. Um, so again, I know it's going to infuriate me <laughs> when I do watch it. Well, it's also comical. I think that's what makes this so entertaining is there are parts where I flat out just laughed out loud because I'm like, wow, wow. And there's one part in the whole film where I go, well, that's completely set up and obvious, but Millions of people believe it. Yeah. Uh, anything that you watch that you want to talk about? Yeah, I will give an ultra quick recommendation. A fun thing that I've started uh, on HBO, actually. Uh, I have begun binging the first season of Gossip Girl, and it is absolutely fucking delicious. Uh, I'm <laughs> loving it so far. So, Does this go all the way back to when the Jersey Girls and I like called you a monster for never watching Gossip Girl? Uh, probably. It's always kind of been on my list, though. I knew I was going to get to it eventually. And I, you know, I love the cast and I love the time period and I love the cattiness. So I knew I was going to get there at some point. And I finally, like a couple weeks ago, finally started it. And like I said, I'm only in the first season. So as we continue to do episodes, you know, every few episodes, I will check in and let you know where I am in my Gossip Girl journey and how much I am loving it. But I fully intend to do all six seasons as soon as I can. <laughs> That's amazing that you're going to try to go through all of that. Yeah, I'm not a big soap person. I'm not a big like prime, you know, like young people drama kind of show. But it's just from like the right time with the right people that I'm like, I'm all in on it. I it feels kind of like the Screen Gems movies from that time, just like with the cattiness and the bitchiness and stuff like that. So I'm loving it. Can't wait to keep going. Yeah, so we were looking through Amazon, just anything random, because I, I don't know why. We just wanted to watch something random, and we, we came across this movie called Dancing at the Blue Iguana. Uh, it's about strippers, you know, and their stories. Uh, so I was like, hey, babe, I was joking. Do you want to watch this? And then Sarah's like, yeah, let's watch it. And I'm like, uh, okay, that surprised me. The only reason I'm talking about it is because it has Daryl Hannah... It's got Sandra O, oh, Jennifer Tilly. And here's the shocking thing about this movie. All these actresses are nude dancing in this, and it's clearly them. These aren't body doubles. Boobies everywhere, butts everywhere. The story of like an underage girl becoming a stripper, which is very uncomfortable. But again, she clearly doesn't look underage. Anyway, here's what I'll tell you about Sarah and I's viewing of this. It is a two hour film. We are one hour in. It is like showgirls level nudity everywhere. You know, every like 10 minutes and everything. I have never watched a more boring film about strippers ever created. <laughs> we had to turn it off because I go, you know what? Blew their loads, so to speak, in the first 10 minutes because they showed all these actresses that we know in, you know, Grey's Anatomy and throughout time that we've probably never seen nude. And if they have, it's been very rare. But anyway, you got over that shock so quickly. That the rest you realize it is a terrible fucking story. They like one is interested in books. Oh, one is going through college. And I'm like, what are we doing? We we quit. We quit watching it because it like had 
no, I don't know, end story. You couldn't see anything at the end. You're like, this is, what are we doing? Well, and I'll definitely have to skip that one. Not everything can be showgirls, I guess. <laughs> yeah, at least showgirls had a whole point. I mean, it wasn't good. And it was like just watching a train wreck dumpster fire on on celluloid but i mean come on <laughs> you can't oh my god and so what they were trying to do i think was a bunch of separate stories coming together at the end but the setup for their characters unlike like armageddon where we know the characters within like a few minutes because we see all these stereotypes and we're like yeah i know this character i get it this one was trying to set up all these complicated i'm doing complicated because some of them were like really simple and I think something about underage stripping. And I think that it was trying to have like a real theme throughout it. But we got so bored, we turned it off and we'll never know. Nice. <laughs> Nothing worse than something you got to turn off, you know? I don't know about you, but I don't tend to turn much off. Me either. When it when it's bad enough, you know, I'll do it. So I, I understand. <laughs> it's boredom. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's so shocking to have a movie with so much nudity and like women clearly like working out in the like, you know, the, the best shape of their lives so they can be nude on camera and everything. Terrible. Just boring. The worst offense a movie can make is being boring and double that with a movie filled with nudity being boring. You're, there's no hope for that. <laughs> there's no going back from that. Yeah. And what is really what what truly made me bring this up is there is a cult following behind it where people are like, this is actually a pretty good film. And we're shocked that it didn't get a blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Because, of course, I had to read about it after I turned it off. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Well, utterly fascinating. I will definitely skip it. (laughs) Find another stripper movie, folks. You'll be fine. Showgirls instead. Showgirls for life. I love that movie. (laughs) All right. That'll end it this week until next week when we have another disaster film to look at. Matt, remember to be kind. And rewind.